Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to episode number 29 of the Believe in Minnesota Football Podcast presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Tony Liebert, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert and Instagram at Tony underscore Liebert. That is T-O-N-Y-L-I-E-B-E-R-T. For today's episode, I will be talking about the Gophers' latest addition from the transfer portal, Harvard defensive tackle Chris Smith. I'll also touch on some recruiting news. And lastly, I we had our first interview on the show. I had a ter- terrific interview with former Minnesota punter and original holder of the year, P- Peter Mortel. So I will close out the interview with that. And it should be an, another great show. is Chris Smith. So Chris Smith, originally from Detroit, Michigan, uh, went to Cranbrook, Cranbrook Kingswood, which is a popular private private school in the Detroit area. Um, and then he committed to Harvard out of high school. And he had a solid career with the Crimson. Um, in 2021, he was all Ivy League first team. He had 40 tackles, 5 tackles for loss, and 3.5 and sacks in only 10 games. They played a shorter school than FBS, or shorter schedule than FBS. Um, for his career, he had 66 tackles and 4.5 and sacks. Um, so I, I heard that he only has one season of eligibility left, but that doesn't make sense to me. I think he does have at least two. Played as a true freshman. Played a lot as a sophomore in 2019, and then in 2020, the Ivy League canceled their season completely, so he gets that year back, and then last year, he played, which would be his traditional senior year, so then he should have the extra COVID year, so I I, I don't know, I don't get the COVID stuff, so... uh, he either he has at least one year of eligibility. Might have two. Uh, I don't know everything, and I don't know about that. But whatever. Uh, but great player, six foot two, two hundred ninety five plus pound, interior defensive tackle. He's a bit undersized for the position, but uh, makes up for it with quick twitch athleticism. Very impressive get off. Uh, super explosive athlete. Um, and he's probably a better pass rusher than defender, but he, he's a solid all-around defensive tackle. Um, he's not some like high-level NFL prospect, but he will be a large part in this rotation, I believe, next season. Um, looking into the depth chart specifically, so I, the whole defensive line... Uh, you got, I think, at end, 
Thomas Rush, John Joyner, Lorenzo Sergers, Austin Booker. I think those four are pretty set in stone that they're all going to have a big role. And then you got Jalen Logan Redding, Gage Keys, and Danny Strigow that I think could all compete for time at the position next season. And then where Chris Smith fits in the interior, I think Trill Carter, pretty clearly the number one guy there. And personally, I think Smith could be the number two ahead of Clemson transfer Darnell Jeffries. And then you got Logan Richter, who will definitely have a role on this team next year. And then like the uh, like the outside, you got three young players, Jacob Schuster, Devin Eastern, and Luther McCoy, that all have a shot to compete for time next year. And I think they're all talented enough to do so. But Chris Smith really rounds out uh, the whole defensive line. It gives kind of both groups two veteran players and then they have two young players that they're expecting to step up. Like on the edge, you got Thomas Rush, Thomas Rush, and Sergers from Vanderbilt, and then you got Jaw Joyner and Austin Booker. who are gonna both gonna have bigger roles. And then on the inside, you got Chris Smith and Jeffries, both transfers. And then you got Trill Carter and Richter, who are both gonna have bigger roles. So uh, I think Smith is a big addition. It really rounds out this group, and I think it's. Great for first-year defensive line coach Brick Haley. He's got a lot to work with. Um, he's got 30-plus years of coaching experience, and I think um, this defensive line might not have the same top-end talent as last year because uh, Boy Mafi might go probably will be a, at least a day-two pick, and Asezi Odomiwo probably a day-three pick. Um and I don't know if there's an NFL player on this group. Jaw Joyner and Trill Carter, I think, have the potential to be. Uh, but Boy Mafia came into the year with serious day one, day two hype for the NFL draft. So, But I think this group might have almost more depth than last year. So if players like Austin Booker and Logan Richter if they take the next step, I, that's can that is what can make this group be as good as they were last year. Um, I it's, I think they have plenty of veteran talent with the three transfers they brought in that should be able to really raise the floor of this group. And I think Smith w- was just a, another cherry on top of the group. Uh, so looking at other transfers. Uh, you never can have too many defensive linemen, so they could always add another. Um, but I personally kind of doubt that. Uh, if they add another, then you start getting guys looking at the depth chart, and they're like, well, there's three, four, five guys in front of me. Uh, but So you always could add another, but I don't think they will. I think the one position that I really could see them adding a player at is linebacker. Um I think that's their shallowest position with talent, personally. Uh, you got Mariana Sarimarin. I think Braylon Oliver, two clearly will probably be the starters next year. Um, and then behind that, it's a lot of question marks. Uh, Cody Lindenberg, who played a little as a true freshman, um, he'll have a chance to be the kind of the third guy in the rotation. But then you start looking at Donald Willis, 
uh, Joshua Wooney. Uh, and behind that, a lot of question marks. So, obviously, you only start two guys there, but if they have an injury, that's going to really hurt them. So, uh, ideally, they could add one more guy from one more guy there. Uh, always could add another defensive back. Uh, they were rumored to be uh, connected with Northern Iowa transfer uh, from Minneapolis North, FCS player, defensive freshman of the year in 2019. Uh, but he already committed to Nebraska. Um, so he's off the table. But they could always go after another guy. And I, I think those are the two positions that they should go after. And I think the two positions that they could go after um, – but, yeah, I'm very impressed with how they've adapted to the transfer portal. Um, it's kind of adapt or get left behind. You saw Michigan State last year really attack the transfer portal, and it really helped them turn around that program. So um, I think it's really good to see. Love it or not, it really helps your team when you bring in a bunch of veteran guys that know how to play Division One football. Um, so a, a very good sign to see heading into next year. Um, and then some other recruiting news. Uh, kind of what I noticed in the last week, uh, the uh, go the when the Gophers start offering guys in the 2023, 2024 classes, it kind of always comes in bunches. Uh, like they they probably had about 15 ish offers within the last week of guys. Um, not many significant uh, offers, but. They were clearly starting to uh, figure out who they want to go after in that class, in those two classes, uh, with only one commitment for 2023. Um, but they, one notable offer they did have is they offered a 2022 running back. So they might not be done with that class yet. Uh, its name is. Teron Kelman from Baltimore, Maryland, and notably, he plays at the same high school, St. Francis Academy, as 2022 wide receiver commit Ike White. So you never know. They could have a connection, obviously. Maybe White's doing a little recruiting, um, but Kelman's a 5'10 running back. Um, good player. He holds top offers from Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Kansas. So that's always a, a name to watch out for. Um, same old recruiting news, and uh, the Gophers clearly are trying to start building those classes. Um, all right, now time for a terrific interview with uh, former Gophers punter Peter Mortel. Um, thanks to him for coming on the podcast, and a uh, really great listen. All right, let me now introduce a very special guest, former Gophers punter and the original holder of the year, Peter Mortel. How are you doing? Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I guess we'll just get right into it and kind of um, all the way back to your uh, playing days, obviously. Uh, what I always find interesting is uh, punting and kicking. No one obviously – kind of uh, grows up and wants to be, I guess, a punter in the NFL. Uh, and if I'm correct, you did play uh, – you didn't just punt in high school. Like, you played – you were a position player. Uh, yeah. When did you kind of 
uh, start punting? Like, when did you realize, like, oh, I might be good at this? Yeah, so it was like I was punting all through kind of grade school as as just like a, a secondary position. It was kind of just they needed need someone to do it. Yeah. Um, but when, once I was in high school, I played receiver and defensive back. And as I got towards my junior year, I, I quickly realized that I wasn't going to be playing those positions at the next level. I, I, I think my 5-2-40 kind of had something to do with it. Um, so I kind of realized that the only path I had to probably play in collegiate football was, was as a punter. So uh, my junior year, I went to a kicking camp. It's called Cole's Kicking Camp. They're a pretty big organization just around the country that holds all these showcases and they grade thousands of student athletes and punters, kickers, long snappers. And went to a camp and had a good showing and, and realized that maybe this is something I should kind of take more seriously um, over my summer of my junior year into, into senior year. Yeah. So would you say it was kind of that, like uh, heading into your junior year that you were, you kind of realized like, like you always punted growing up, but you're like, I might be pretty good and I could probably do this in college. Was it kind of like that time? Yeah, it was, it was like the junior year, uh, right after my junior year season, which in today's world is pretty late to make that decision. Uh, you know, kickers, punters, snappers um, right now, and I'm going to even throw holders in there. Yeah. Uh, they, they think about that kind of stuff earlier now. So um, I'd say the earlier you make that decision, uh, the more looks you're going to get. But I definitely made that one uh, a little bit late, but I'm still glad I did for sure. Yeah. Um, something else that I find uh, pretty interesting with uh, specialists is sometimes you're kind of just like uh, you're obviously like a different part of the team. You're just out practicing by yourself and you're kind of doing your own thing. Was it kind of hard for you uh, first few years in college when like you saw the rest of the team practicing and you were just used to going to normal football practice and now you're just punting and kicking at practice? Yeah, it's a total adjustment you have to make because you're used to being used in, you know, hour and a half practice, you know, almost all of it in some capacity, but kicking and punting, it's such a, I mean, we probably practice like on, on the field, you know, we did our pre pre game or pre-practice stuff, but once you're during a, a live team setting, you know, period one's field goal, maybe period four is punt. And then after that, I mean, you're still expected to be present and sometimes they'll do a, you know, a random call out session towards the end of practice where you got to stay loose. But at the end of the day, it, it kind of helped me because that's how games are. I mean, there's sometimes there's games where, you know, I'd punt zero times and then all of a sudden fourth quarter, we'd have a punt or all of a sudden, you know, maybe we get off to a slow start and you're punting early and often. So it all in all, I think our coaches did such a great job of that at Minnesota. Like special teams is always such a big thing. And even today with them, they once the coaches can realize it can be used as like a weapon and not just something, you know, just another play. Um, that's when I think teams can kind of take leaps. So, yeah, it was definitely a good thing in the long run for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, would you say uh, – because I th I find, like, punting and kicking, it's kind of like golf almost. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, was it, like, ever hard for you in college when that was all you were doing to kind of stay motivated in practice and stay, like, locked in mentally? You know what? I, I learned to love it because you're right. It is a lot about golf uh, or similar to golf. Uh, which I love doing as well. But the one thing, the one thing I, that I really liked about punting 
is at the end of the day, it was, it was kind of on you. You know, if you, if you didn't hit a good punt, if you kicked one out of bounds, uh, you really had only you to really think about uh, and, and look back on it. So for me, I, I like that responsibility. I, I like that. I knew that I was in charge of, of my success and yeah, you need to have good snaps and good protection and everything like that. Um, that was never an issue at Minnesota for me. So I, I like the accountability aspect of it. So as, as I was progressing through Minnesota and I tell punters all the time is, you know, it's all on your shoulders. If you hit a good punt, that's, you know, take the credit, but if you, if you mess something up, you better, you better not do it again and learn why you did it. Yeah. Um, kind of an open-ended question. Uh, you can kind of take it wherever you want, but, uh, what would you say your favorite memory or uh, just thing about playing football for the University of Minnesota was? Man, they, that's a that's a really tough one for me uh, yeah. because there, there's so many. Um, from a football perspective, you know, growing up in the Midwest, you you see all these games every Saturday at you know at different stadiums around around the conference, right? So being yeah. able to travel to you know, to Michigan, Nebraska, Ohio State. I mean, the list goes on. But being able to to go to so many places is kind of just, uh, you know, now being out of the the school for, you know, six or seven years, you know, you think back about, well, that was really cool. And maybe you didn't really appreciate all the traveling and all the venues you got to see in the tradition of college football. So th- that was something. But uh, what, what really, what really kind of stuck with me after I left college was just the community around, around go for athletics in general. I mean, seeing it now versus what it even was maybe when I first got to Minnesota, I, it's just, I think it's, I think it's really special. I think, you know, the, the community just really loves the team and the school and the university and they interact with, you know, I, I was a walk-on punter, you know, and that was, you know, on the depth chart or back on the depth chart, you know, two or three, you know, when I got there and I stayed there for a little bit, I sat for a year and I mean, for them to kind of welcome me, uh, I mean, it's just, it just speaks to who Gopher Nation is. And I, I, so I would say just the interaction with the, with the fan base, I think is unique and it's special and it's there today. And it's, it's cool to, to always have that to look back on. Yeah, definitely. Um, yep. So if I am correct, you did sign a uh, training camp deal with the Packers and you, uh, so how was that uh, process kind of like after you graduated and you're like, uh, do I want to punt at the next level? Because it's way different that, than like a normal player because you go to like the combine and stuff or you yeah. draft interviews. So how kind of was that process after college to signing the deal with the Packers? Yep. So after the bowl game, you know, there's about four months, almost five until the draft is happening. Yeah. And it's it's tough to get drafted as a punter, kicker, long snapper. Some years there's, there's a couple that will get drafted. I mean, I think there was a year recently where no punter got drafted. Um, so you don't really have the expectation like that that's going to happen, but you yeah. train as if it may. So over those next four or five months, you know, I spent, you know, with a, a very specific lifting and training program set up by Minnesota. I stayed on campus and, I spent a couple of weeks where I traveled to, you know, meet with various punting coaches and everything like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's uh, pre-draft combines and stuff like that too, where you're, you know, you're taking films 
and you're sending, you're sending it out to scouting departments. And um, if you have a chance to potentially, you know, either get drafted or signed, which I felt like I did to, to sign a contract, um, you know, I, I got an agent and they, they started advertising my film everywhere. So yeah, there's steps you can take. Um, but at the end of the day, nothing is more important than, you know, your pro day, which is, which is in March. So I partook in that. Um, now I skipped the 40 yard dash and the, and the bench press and all that stuff. Uh, we didn't need to do any of that stuff, but, uh, yeah, definitely did a punting workout it, and and then after that, they they sent the film out to all the teams that were there or weren't there. Um, it's a it's a it's a stressful, but it's a you look back on it, it's a, it's a pretty fun you know time in my life. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that kind of transitioning to the holder of the year award. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, you've obviously been asked this a bunch of times, but how exactly did you uh, come up with the idea and like how did it? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's really funny looking back. It's uh, we, it was 2015 and it was around the time that all those all conference teams were being let, let out and released. Yeah. And so I was in the, the apartment with a, with a buddy and we got to the end of the show and I, I looked at him, I said, Oh man, bummer. We missed it. And he looked at me confused because we were just staring at the you know screen for the last hour. And he, and he says, miss what? And I told him, Oh, the first team field goal holder that they didn't announce it. And I saw his initial reaction and he, he, he laughed and, and I, all of a sudden I just was like, Oh, maybe there's something here to, to joke around with everyone who knows me around the team and the, the community, uh, spe- you know, specifically at that point in time, uh, they know that I like to have fun, very serious when I was asked to you know do my job on the field. But afterwards, you know, I just, I like to have that good balance between, you know, seriousness and, and not being too tough on myself. And so Instantly, what I did is I messaged uh, Travis Perry, who was in our recruiting office. I sent him a picture of me holding, and I said, hey, Travis, can you write holder of the year on this, make it look cool, and I'm just going to tweet it out. And then all of a sudden, he did, and he did a great job. He probably doesn't get enough credit for what he does. He made a pretty cool like graphic, and I tweeted it out with like a funny caption, and that's how it was born. It, it was, uh, it kind of made the rounds on national media almost, almost instantly. And, uh, I think a week later I made a acceptance speech video to be aired on the, uh, ESPN college football awards. So it's, it's funny cause it was a complete joke and most people understood that, you know, especially around Minneapolis. Um, and then what was cool is it started off so funny, but we paired up with the University of Minnesota Children's Masonic Hospital, Masonic Children's Hospital, and um, it was great. We raised thirty thousand dollars in you know in two weeks, which which was really cool for for those patients and kids who were going to be spending Christmas in the hospital. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I remember uh, when it all started. I I thought that was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, um, it was fun. Yeah, um, it's still around. That's what's crazy. It's like I never thought that. You know, I never thought that that would continue going on. And, and I'm glad it has because I think that's such an underappreciated position. Um, yeah. and, you know, everyone wants to do it until you kind of have to do it. And like there's a game winning field goal on the line and, and stuff like that. I, I always enjoy this. We had so many good athletes on our team and I was friends with so many of them. But it was always so funny because every now and then like the coaches would bring one of them in to like, like hold because the obvious potential to like the fake field goal game 
Like if they could, if they could figure it out, I mean, I mean, there was quarterbacks, receivers, like starting receivers, like out there. And I would just always go out there and watch. And it was just so funny because it's hard to do unless you like really know how to do it just from catching the, to every, the whole operation. So yeah, it was cool. And we had, we had a lot of fun with it and it's cool that that award is kind of still sticking around. Yeah. Uh, So when you obviously it still exists and you're voting on uh, guys who win every year, is it just you who picks the winner or how does that process work? We have an anonymous committee <laughs> that, that makes up that, that gives the final votes. And also we consult with previous winners. There's, there's holder of the year group chats going around. So <laughs> it's not, it's not just me, uh, but at the end of the day, I'll, I'll take the final, the final decision. And it's, it's good. I think we had a we had an awesome uh, winner this year, and and it, there's just a lot of things that kind of go into it. But if you can execute kind of fake field goals and and stuff like that, and and your kicker's good, you got a good shot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So not to put you on the spot or anything, but uh, you're obviously still a fan of Gophers football, and uh, what would you say your uh, Mount Rushmore, uh, it could be teammates or players that you're watching now, just like top four favorite uh, Gophers football players. That that I've played with or just that I'm watching? Uh, yeah, either or, I guess. Man, that's, that's you are putting me on the spot there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, my, my roommate, uh, Drew Goodyear, I see quite a bit. He used to be a tight end uh, for the Gophers. I I'm, I'm still pretty close with him. He's, he's one of my, uh, one of my, one of my best friends. And one thing I liked so much about Drew is one time at the end of practice, coach kill stopped it and brought everyone up and said that he was the toughest man in college football. So uh, I always make sure to remind him that he maybe was, but I was the toughest person in the apartment. Um, <laughs> so we, we always have a good laugh about that. Uh, also really close keeping in the tight end room, Max Williams, such a fan of Max. And, you know, it was fun to be a part of uh, the ride with, with having Max on the team, just such a difference maker and what he's been able to do at the next level. Uh, that's, that's just been really fun to watch and, and follow along with Max. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say my third right now, I'm very happy uh, to have played with Devondre Campbell and see all the damage he's doing over here and, yeah, in uh, title town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that that's fun. He, he's such a difference maker. It's so cool to see him being getting some, you know, success and, and accolades for what he's been doing. Uh, I think he was all named all pro last week, which is just, I mean, what an accomplishment for him, especially when he was a free agent, you know, at the beginning of the, of the year. Um, and then the fourth person, I, I would say it's Casey O'Brien uh, for everything that kid has been through. I mean, what a, what a role model. I know he's younger than, than me, but for how he just approaches life and his attitude about all everything, right. I mean, we can that all learn from him, and I think we, we all will continue to um, learn from him for a long time. This will so, be the last I'd say that's probably my, my Mount Rushmore. Of the offseason yeah, like that. that I do um, yeah. weekly I think that's all I got for you today. I really appreciate Shift to bi-weekly as we kind of get into yeah, the no problem, Tony. more boring parts of the off season with not much to talk to about you and, and um, appreciate all your coverage i will try to get some more man. interviews i appreciate that as we hit a, head into the rest of the off season I'll probably go back to weekly episodes where we get into more of the spring uh more stuff to talk about um next episode I might have two more interviews with some 
uh, some recruits for the 2022 cl class, some Gophers commits. Um, but as always, I appreciate you listening. Row the boat, Sky Uma, and go Gophers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.